0: Huge numbers of people are being locked out of the housing market as soaring interest rates and home prices mark a dramatic reversal for millions of people who are hoping to buy their own home. With prices spiking for renters as well, the failure of the capitalist market to provide something as basic as affordable shelter is on display. We need a new system, we need a new society We're very excited to have Professor Richard Wolf join us for a regular weekly segment where we discuss the biggest stories relating to the economy, the state of the working class, and the crimes of big business. I'm Walter Smolarek, filling in for Brian Becker. The Socialist Program brings you content three days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show. Richard Wolff is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work and the author of many books, the latest being The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. Check out all of his work at rdwolf.com. Well, Professor Wolf, we've explored, you know, many different aspects, elements of this economic crisis that's unfolding upon us, however you want to say it. Let's talk about what's going on with the housing market, specifically in terms of people who are looking to buy a house, to buy their own home. You know, this is something that's sold to people as a key part of the the American dream, right? I mean, you're really in a stable position. You've really made it once you buy your own house, right? That's what we're all told. But that's becoming extraordinarily difficult and very rapidly. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, maybe less than a couple of years ago, it was historically easy to buy a house because interest rates were so low and it was easier than it had been in the past, a lot easier to get a loan and to get a loan for enough money to cover the cost of a house. That is not at all the case today. Explain the situation a little bit, if you would.
1: Sure. There are a number of factors, processes that are going on that have come to a head and promise to get worse, to be honest, in the months and years ahead. As you rightly pointed out, housing is a basic measure of how well an economy is doing. Does the economy enable human beings to have secure, decent, stable housing? And I want to stress, even before I go into it, why that is considered so basic. And The answer comes out of medicine, it comes out of psychology, it comes out of industrial relations. To simply put it, if you're not in a stable, secure, adequately heated room, cool in the summer and warm in the winter and all the rest, it will impact the whole society for the worker You'll be less relaxed, less well-slept, less in a mood to do your job in a creative way. If your home life, which means your housing, which is a key part of home life, isn't decent, secure, and all the rest, your children will have a harder time going to school and learning, doing their homework, having, again, the mentality, the mood to be able to absorb what life has to teach them as they become adults. In other words, worker productivity, learning, the whole quality of the life of a community is in important ways shaped by housing, as it is by diet and what you eat and how you eat. We know that now, so there's no excuse. You're going to be, as a society, shooting yourself in the foot if you neglect to provide your citizens with decent, secure, adequate housing. And the United States fails on that thing. That's why we have hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of homeless people. But beyond the homeless, who are kind of an obvious sign that something is failing, there are many other signs as well. One I'd like to pick out, just to keep it in folks' minds, We have a higher proportion of young people, married in many cases, living with their parents, crowding into the housing of their parents because they cannot afford a home of their own. Many of them can't afford a rental, many more of them can't afford either the down payment or the monthly mortgage to have a home of their own. They are therefore, not by choice, not by a, a commitment to family, living with their family because the economy doesn't give them any real alternative. That's a much bigger failure in terms of the numbers, the millions affected by it, than is the homeless number, even though the homeless number is certainly bad enough. All right. So then what's the story? We don't build enough housing. We don't build housing that can be afforded by people. You could solve the problem by building more homes that are of a lower price, or you could raise the wages and salaries of our people so that they could afford to buy rentals or become homeowners. You have to do one or the other or you leave the problem unsolved. And what the United States has done and continues to do is leave the problem unsolved. One of the most important factors shaping it has been the redistribution of income from poor people and middle-income people in short, the working class, to the people at the top, the top 10% who have gathered into their hands a much larger proportion of the nation's income today than they did 20, 30, or 40 years ago. This redistribution of wealth to the top, of course, provoked all kinds of problems. For the middle and the bottom, if less income is going to them, which is exactly what happened, they are going to have a harder time affording housing. And so something has to happen to deal with this problem. You got to produce, for example, good, quality, secure, stable, adequate housing at a lower price. That would be a response to the fact that the mass of people have less money to spend on everything, including the basic of housing. We didn't do that as a nation. The real wage, the amount of goods and services you can afford to buy with your wages, has gone exactly Nowhere in this country, millions of people have seen the prices that they pay wipe out whatever gains they got in wages. And given everything else going on, they had less money to spend on housing. We knew that. We have watched that. But nothing was done about it in terms of a national organized response. And let me be clear. Even in other capitalist countries like the United States, for example, most of the countries in Western Europe, when they had in the past and the present problems like this developments in their society in which people could not afford housing, one of the solutions used in many countries was to build public housing good quality, not the dilapidated, destroyed projects that barely still exist in American cities. Very well kept, beautifully designed public housing exists all over Western Europe at a price that's lower and therefore affordable by the people who may be negatively impacted by economic changes going on around them this country doesn't do public housing anymore. It did after World War II. It then neglected them into oblivion, racially segregated many of them. We know the story. And the whole idea of doing that was to support the real estate industry. They don't want public housing at affordable prices because it'll undercut their ability to have higher prices for what they produce. And let me give you just a couple of statistics so you can see it. For the last 30 years in the United States, up until 2020, year over year, the average increase in home prices was four and a half percent. Over a 30-year period, on average, every year went up 4.5%. That is a very rapid rise in price. Wages didn't go up anywhere near that kind of situation. I mean, there's no comparison. You were pricing people out of the housing market. And the reality of this is that, and by the way, the last two years, 2021 and into 2022, housing prices rose 10% out of reach of more and more of the American people who are therefore crowding in with their parents or living in conditions that they ought not to be in terms of what the society needs. So again, it's this process of shooting yourself in the foot by not providing Either the income people need to afford the housing or to bring down the housing so it's affordable at the wages you are willing to pay. And until the United States does that, it is going to hope that people in America imagine that there's no alternative, maybe in the worst case, blame themselves for their housing conditions, accept to be homeless except to be crowded in with parents you have outgrown and would rather visit but not live with, all the rest of it, with all the social consequences. And we'll continue, as we do as a nation in so many areas, thinking wrongly that there's no option to what we have, or even more wrongly that it's the best people can do, because I can assure you, Housing is a wonderful example where other societies are way ahead of what we have here in the United States on many levels when it comes to housing.
0: Thank you for laying that out, Professor Wolf. We'll come back to that question of alternative models in a moment. I definitely want to dig into that. Let me just ask one follow-up question about the situation today. So, you know, of course, the housing market is highly financialized. I mean, that's really a characteristic feature of so much of modern day, present day US capitalism that at the core of all of these crucial sectors of the economy is credit and debt and the big banks, the domination of the Wall Street big banks. How is that playing out in terms of the housing market right now? Interest rates and the Federal Reserve's decision to hike them at a very aggressive pace is really a main part of the story, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Again, the discordant, the kind of chaotic, you might even say anarchic way capitalism lurches from one situation to another. We lurched into the pandemic, the response that we made. We lurched into the inflation as the next crisis, we're barely out of the medical crisis, we're right in an inflationary crisis. And now the Federal Reserve trying to cope with the inflation hits us with a rising interest rate and doesn't really stop to ask, let alone cope with the fallout of what each of these crises and the poor delayed responses this government makes. And it's not that Democrats for the Republicans. The record is equally l- lame on both sides. But look at the raising interest rates. It makes an o- already high-priced housing system much more high-priced because everybody, as you rightly say, is on credit. The overwhelming majority of homeowners don't buy the home. What they do is they enter into an economic relationship with a bank. They get a loan from the bank. They use the loan to buy the home. And now they have to pay the bank back the principal that the bank gave them to buy the house plus interest every year for however long a mortgage they arranged for, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, and so on. And this puts an enormous burden. You might want to stop and just ask yourself as a thinking human being, wouldn't it have been better to set up a housing system that people could pay for when they bought the house and not enter into a 20 or 30 year debt driven obligation, terrified that they might lose their job and then how they pay their monthly mortgage? terrified they have an illness, terrified they'll have a family crisis, and then they risk losing their house. The only reason we have a debt-based housing system is because we've never paid the working class a sufficient wage or salary to buy and own their own home. And even if that were not to be done, the intermediate thing would have been to create a government bank that provided very low interest rate, because to the people who wanted to buy a a home, the government didn't have to make profit on what it does. We don't profit from the defense that we give a, a trillion dollars to every year. We don't expect a return on the fighter jet that we buy with that money. Well, why do we need to have a return on the loans we give to people that have a decent housing stock. In fact, we'll get a benefit. We buy that jet because we think it'll enhance our security. We don't have to make money off of it. It's the security, presumably, that motivates it. Well, Putting people into good housing is a very good thing to do. We'll have all sorts of benefits. I ran them off at the beginning of this conversation. So why not a bank that makes 1% loans available to people whose income is below a reasonable cutoff? Then you could have had even a debt-based housing system, but one that didn't put an enormous burden. Low interest rate would mean your monthly payment is lower. And The government, as I said, doesn't have to make a lot of money off of this because the social benefits are enormous. These are all options that other societies have been using for many decades, but it is important in America, and that's why it's done, that people don't understand what I just said, are not aware of these alternatives, and we have, don't have politicians that come forward and champion them so we could get them by electing John or Mary or somebody else. It's really a, a kind of pathetic system. And here's the worst part right now, the interest rates are shooting up. The Federal Reserve, to try to control the inflation they should have prevented but failed to, is now hitting us with interest rates. Notice the interest rates are going up fast. And that means the mortgage payment for a house, whatever the price of the house is, the mortgage payment reflects the interest rates. So the mortgage payments are going up. Well, the houses have been rising at price. Now the interest rate on the mortgage is going up. The combination of the two, again, puts housing out of the reach of millions and millions of people, particularly young people starting out wanting to have a family, all of that postponed, or if it isn't postponed it proceeds under the worst possible conditions for the development of a healthy family of children and all the rest. Not to have created a system where people are not burdened by this debt, or a system where the government would have made available cheap loans, By the way, footnote, the government makes available cheap loans to all kinds of other industries, just gave uh, $40 billion to the microchip companies of the United States. Just a grant, basically. There's no interest at all. You don't have to pay it back. Well, with the people who get public housing, you get the money back. But you won't even do that. You won't even give them the break. And that's only in deference, again, to the private real estate interests in this country, a very powerful force. And they want to make sure they can produce housing under a condition of scarcity. Because if the rental apartment is scarce, if the home is scarce, you can jack up the price. Because people will have to pay, because otherwise, they won't get it at all. It's a market-manipulated housing system, and it's an awful burden on the majority of the people for the financial gain of a very small industrial sector.
0: Well, Professor Wolf, whenever we talk about these kinds of huge systemic problems in the housing market, I think a lot of our listeners will have flashbacks to 2008, 2009, the great housing crash, which was a central feature of the Great Recession, of the 2008 to 9 global recession. What are the similarities and differences between the situation we were in then and the situation we were in now? I mean, certainly capitalism hasn't gotten any more rational since then. Certainly the government hasn't gotten any less loyal to Wall Street. Could we see a a real meltdown here?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely we could see a meltdown. I mean, after the great crash of 1929, the horror of the 1930s, there were reforms there were changes made in capitalism, kind of trying to prevent another meltdown. But what we have seen in many years since then, but culminating, for example, in the Great Recession, so-called, of 2008 and nine, that those reforms failed to prevent more crashes. We had reforms after 2008 and nine, and they failed to prevent the crash of 2020 a crash that began before the pandemic hit us. Shouldn't be called the COVID crash because that implies that COVID caused it. COVID happened at the same time, which made everything worse, but it didn't cause this. We have an economic system that is prone. Let me give you just one example of the kinds of situations that could give us again a meltdown of the housing sector. The Biden administration has committed to ending the moratorium on student loan payback. That was done during the pandemic to help the students. They could delay, not avoid, delay repayments on the loans they took out to get their college education. Okay, in January, that's only two months from now. In January, that moratorium ends the Biden administration has said. And whatever the outcome of the election, Mr. Biden's got two more years of his presidency. And so this will likely go through since the Republicans wouldn't oppose it probably anyway. All right, let me be clear to people. Billions and billions of dollars that were used to pay back and pay and keep up mortgages— came from money that those families were able to save because their college age kids didn't have to pay back the student loan payments. That money then could go to keep the mortgage going. Well, unless you're prepared to yank the student in mid-education, so that all that student will have left is the debt, but no degree and no completion of the program. An unspeakable thing to have to do to your children, unless you're prepared to do that, you're going to have to take the money you used to use to pay off your mortgage to pay off the college loan. We are putting our working class into an impossible situation. And I don't know from one family to another, and neither does anyone else, which way they're going to go. But they have no spare money because the inflation of the last two years, which shows no sign of ending, has soaked up whatever extra money, whatever savings they might have put aside. They're barely getting by with the huge prices they're paying in the supermarket, the gas station, and so on. So they don't have any extra cash. Well, then how are they going to pay their student loans back without pulling away from the mortgage? If they do, if they love their children enough to take the risk of missing payments, then we'll be back to the same kind of tragedies we saw in 2008 and nine. I mean, it, it boggles the mind what is being done here. We are bouncing and careening around from one social problem to another. We barely begin to get working on one of them, and it aggravates another one. This interconnection you might not have seen between student loans and housing is very real, and there are other things like that. You know, people, for example, use their homes as collateral to take out loans, equity, home equity loans, they're called. Well, the attractiveness of solving your financial problem that way is being wiped out by the Federal Reserve because the interest rates you now have to pay make this a very dangerous thing to do. So that avenue is being closed off because it's too expensive. I mean, it's an out-of-control capitalism. That would be bad enough. But the out-of-controlledness, if you look at it, is peculiarly offloaded by this system onto the people least able to cope. The rich don't have these problems. They own their own home. They paid off whatever mortgage they had long ago. They have the wealth to get them through these difficult periods, and they're not parting with it they are not parting with it the government isn't taxing them if you tax the people who've become the the super rich over the last 30 to 40 years just modestly you'd have the money to make available loans for middle and low income people so we wouldn't have the housing crisis the money is there but the people who at the top who have it control the political system and the media so that I'm in the position, for example, of explaining what should be common knowledge, but it isn't, of course, because if everyone really understood this, they wouldn't tolerate it another minute.
0: Such a clear indictment of the system and, and such a obvious reason why this system has to go. That is all the time we have. We've been joined by Professor Richard Wolf. He's the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work author of many books the latest is the sickness is the system when capitalism fails to save us from pandemics or itself you can check out all of his work at rdwolf.com. you've been listening to the socialist program we bring you content three days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash the socialist program we appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show You've been listening to The Socialist Program with Brian Becker, where we bring you news and views about the world for those who want to change it. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and watch video episodes of our in-depth show, The Real Story, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube with our partner, Breakthrough News.